Alleluia, Christ is risen. The Lord is risen indeed. Alleluia. Good morning and welcome to our service of worship on this Memorial Day weekend, this Sunday of the Ascension. And as we begin our service, we want to take a moment to acknowledge those who serve within our armed forces, those who have served, and those who gave the ultimate price for the freedoms that we enjoy. We remember them this day. As G.K. Chesterton once wrote, the true soldier fights not because he hates what's in front of him, but because he loves what is behind him. Let us pray on this Memorial Day weekend. O King and Judge of the nations, we remember before you with grateful hearts the men and women of our armed forces who in the day of decision ventured much for the liberties that we now enjoy. Grant that we may not rest until all the people of this land share the benefits of true freedom and gladly accept its disciplines through Jesus Christ our Lord, who with you and the Holy Spirit lives and reigns now and forever. Amen. Let us continue in our service of worship, acknowledging before Almighty God our need for him to come by his Holy Spirit and do a work on our hearts now. We pray together, Almighty God, to you all hearts are open, all desires known, and from you no secrets are hid. Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name through Christ our Lord. Amen. Let us sing together our opening hymn of praise.
Let us humbly confess our sins to Almighty God. Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed, by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry and we humbly repent. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. Amen. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, who in his great mercy has promised forgiveness of sins to all those who sincerely repent and with true faith turn to him, have mercy upon you, pardon and deliver you from all your sins, confirm and strengthen you in all goodness, and bring you to everlasting life. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. O Lord, open our lips, and our mouth shall proclaim your praise. O God, make speed to save us. O Lord, make haste to help us. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Praise the Lord. The Lord's name be praised. Please join me as we read Psalm 47. We will read responsibly by half verse. O oh, clap your hands together, all you peoples. O oh, cry aloud unto God with shouts of joy. For the Lord Most High is to be feared. He is the great King over all the earth. He shall subdue the peoples under us and the nations under our feet. He shall choose our inheritance for us, the pride of Jacob, whom he loved. God has gone up with a shout of triumph, the Lord with the sound of the trumpet. O oh, sing praises, sing praises unto our God. O oh, sing praises, sing praises unto our King. For the God is the King of all the earth. Think upon his mighty acts and praise him with a song. God reigns over the nations. God sits on his holy throne. The princes of the people are gathered with the people of the God of Abraham. For the mighty upon earth have become the servants of the Lord, and he is very highly exalted. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen.
The first lesson is from the book of Acts, chapter 1, beginning at the sixth verse. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all of Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes, and they said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus, who is taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please join us in singing our gradual.
The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Matthew. Glory to you, Lord Christ. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we believe that you inspired your servant Matthew to record these words. And we believe these words not only had power in the day that Matthew wrote them, but these words have power this day, this Sunday of the Ascension, because these words are inspired by the Holy Spirit. So we pray, come Holy Spirit. Open this word for us, perhaps as never before, that we would be changed more and more to be like Christ's, for we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Today is Ascension Sunday, and the Ascension makes mission possible. You see, the Ascension is one of the most undertaught parts of the Creed. We confess it every time we gather that He ascended into heaven. And we often misunderstand it as simply the going up of Jesus. Like the Russian cosmonaut Yuri Gagarin, who on April 12, 1961, as the first man in space, reportedly said, I don't see any God up here. It's a fundamental misunderstanding of the ascension, as if God is up in the sky. The ascension is not about Jesus going up, but the ascension of Jesus is about his enthronements as king. I think Charles Wesley's hymn grabs this concept of ascension as enthronement the best when he writes these lyrics. Jesus the Savior reigns, the God of truth and love. When he had purged our stains, he took his seat above. His kingdom cannot fail. He rules over earth and heaven. The keys of death and hell are to our Jesus given. He sits at God's right hand till all his foes submit and bow to his command and fall beneath his feet. Lift up your hearts. Lift up your voice. Rejoice again. I say, re. Joyce. This ascension, this enthronement of Jesus as king is the fulfillment of those words we speak every Christmas. In Isaiah chapter 9, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those who've dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them a light has shone for 
To us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulders, and he shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it with justice and righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. And on the day of the ascension, the feast which we are celebrating this day, these words were fulfilled as Jesus ascended his throne. And here's what's amazing for us. It's not just amazing that the true king has been enthroned, but what's amazing is the words that this king has for us, his subjects, at the moment of his enthronement. The words at his ascension speak over us about mission. In our text today from Matthew chapter 28, if you're there with me in your own Bibles, he says, go, therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. These are the final words spoken before the king's second coming. In in Luke's version, in Acts chapter 1, the words are slightly different, but again have the same message. You shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. The point is that at the moment of his enthronement, the king's word to his subjects is commission. Commissioning us into this witnessing mission with the gospel in the world. And the key is this, that the mission is given to the church at the ascension because the ascension makes the mission possible. I'll say that again. The key is this, the mission is given to the church at the ascension because the ascension makes the mission possible. Because he is ascended and enthroned, Jesus gives us the call. It is precisely because of his enthronement that this call comes to us, this calling to be his witnesses. But it's also that the ascended, enthroned Jesus is the one who's giving us this command that it's not just a suggestion. It's the on the lips of the king commandment. But not only his call, our call, and our command, but finally, because he's ascended and enthroned, Jesus is the one giving us courage for this mission. See, to begin with, mission is possible because the ascended and enthroned Jesus gives us our call. See, verse 19, again, we read it just a moment ago. Go, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. The key is that the call from the king 
is not just a call to share the message of the world. It's not just a call to give people an opportunity to make a decision. It's a call to invite them into discipleship, to be trained and formed, to be taught and baptized and discipled in the church. Ultimately, you could sum it up by saying the call is for us to teach the world how to live the king's way in the king's world. How to live the king's way in the king's world. As Jonathan Bales, our cathedral theologian, uh, wrote to me recently, I love, I love when I employ smart people, smarter than me, who can put these kind of thoughts together. He says this, he says, Jesus reigns now. And the call of the church is to bring the world into joyful alignments with that fact. Every knee will bow. Our task is to teach them how to begin their kneeling now. To bring the whole world into alignment with the truth that Jesus is king. How to live the king's way in the king's world. But if we're honest, when we look at this call, we should immediately be humbled, recognizing that this is way too big a call for you and for me. Look at verse 16. It's right in the text how this call is too big for them and for us. Now the 11 disciples, sorry, we'll start again. Verse 16, the 11 disciples. How many disciples? 11. Right there, we need to stop in our tracks and see what's changed and how broken this little band of followers is. It's the first time in the gospel that they've been referred to as any other number than 12. Why? Well, Judas. Judas happened. He has run away betrayed Jesus, and has killed himself. Peter denied Jesus. They all ran away. The disciples come back the evening of the resurrection, limping back to the place that Jesus had called them, knowing just how incomplete, how broken, how much they were a group of failures. They are 11, or as Dale Bruner likes to say, they were feeling rather 11-ish that evening incomplete. And verse 17 goes on to say, and when they saw him, Jesus raised from the dead, they worshiped him, but some doubted. And be careful that you don't think there's two groups of people there. Oh, would I be part of the group that's worshiping him? Or would I be the part that's doubting? Because when you read it in the Greek, it very easily could read this way. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but with some Doubt. In other words, doubt and worship was mingled together in all of these disciples. They were 11-ish. They were doubtful. And these were the people that Jesus was commissioning, calling into this world with his mission. I mean, I've got to say that Jesus calls frail and sinful and uneven performers for such a task as this really should make us 
laugh. It, it, it is meant to be a comedy, as Frederick Beekner says. The gospel is comedy. The concept of grace is comedy. The angels gather round when God describes this gracious call he has towards humanity, and the tears run down their faces. They're laughing so hard. And just as a side note about laughter, as Martin Luther said, if there's no laughter in heaven, I don't want to go there. Laughter especially in dark seasons like right now, help us get through it as a community. Because laughter by its very nature is a connecting thing. There is no real laughter all on your own. It's always us interacting with another. And so laughter connects us. A joke will connect us. Something funny makes us feel united. And it also helps us feel empowered. It helps us feel like maybe the darkness is not winning if we can still laugh in the face of darkness. I'm inspired by a six-year-old named Callahan McLaughlin. He's in Vancouver Island, where I grew up. And during this coronavirus season, he's opened up his drive-by, walk-by joke stand every day at 10 a.m. And his one-liners make people laugh during such difficult days. One-liners. One-liners like this. I'll tell, you a I'll tell you a coronavirus joke now, but you'll have to wait 14 days to see if you get it. A little too close to home. Let's try this one. Did you hear the joke about the virus? Never mind, I don't want to spread it around. Or finally, what types of jokes are allowed during quarantine? inside jokes. The point is that Callahan is offering levity and laughter in a dark season. And you know what most people do in response when he shares his one-liners is they give jokes back to him. It's an exchange of humor. And so I guess it would be my encouragement to you, the congregation, feel free Send me your jokes. Help us laugh together in this hard season. But my whole point about laughter is that this mission, if we're honest about these uneven performers, these sinful, frail, broken people being sent into God's mission, it is worth a laugh. It's hilarious that God would do this. As Dale Bruner says, the church that Jesus sends into the world is fallible. 11-ish, imperfect, yet Jesus uses exactly such a church to do his perfect work. Mission is possible because the ascended, enthroned Jesus gives us our call. But also, mission is possible because the ascended, enthroned Jesus gives us our command and I choose to use the word command here instead of commission. Because as we're celebrating Memorial Day today, most of those who served in the armed forces or that serve today understand that commission means command. You've been given a command. You're commanded to do something. But more and more in our culture, that word commission doesn't mean as much. It doesn't have the same strength and honor 
that those who've served in the military know that word to contain. And so I think to be a little more on the nose, we need instead to not refer to this moment in Matthew 28 as the great commission, but to be clear, it's the great command. Because that's what this means. He's commanded it. Because on the lips of the king, it's not a suggestion. Note the imperatives in this. Go. It's a command. Make disciples. It's a command. Baptize them. It's a command. Teach them everything that I've taught you. It's a command. A command from the king. But here's the gospel. Here's the good news. Instead of this guilting us, the truth is that Jesus will make this command come true in our lives because of his power. Let me put it this way. Jesus' imperatives aren't followed because of our guilt. They're followed because of his authority. We follow Jesus' commands ultimately, not because we're guilted into it, but we follow them because these commands have come with his authority. Verse 18, Jesus says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. All authority. Authority in the Greek, exousia. It's Matthew's favorite word for Jesus. Again and again, he talks about the crowds being astonished at Jesus because he taught as one who had authority. Authority means executive power. It can be translated dominion. The ability not only to give commands, but to have the power to make those commands happen. It makes me think of Daniel chapter 7. Again, a prophetic text that is fulfilled in this ascension moment. Daniel chapter 7 verse 13. Listen for the word dominion in the Greek Septuagint of the Old Testament. Exousia, that same word for authority is used here three times in the word dominion. Daniel says, I saw in the night visions and behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like a son of man. And he came to the ancient of days and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away and his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. The description in Daniel 7 is nothing other than one son of man, which is the reason Jesus chose that term for himself most often to point to this Daniel 7 enthronement moment to say, here is what I've come for. To bear the sins of humanity in my body on the cross, to rise from the dead, overcoming sin and death, and then being enthroned over my redeemed creation over my redeemed creatures as the king who has authority and kingdom and dominion. Exousia. All authority has been given to me. But then Jesus says something about us. See, after he first talks about himself having all authority, then in verse 19 he says, therefore go, make disciples. So now we're to be the ones going and doing the work. 
You'd almost expect him to say in verse 19, after saying in verse 18, I have all authority, so now watch me go and do these works in this world. But no, he says to us, you go. This mission that we are inadequate for. And the hope is that we see a little tiny word in between verse 18 and verse 19. It's the word, therefore. And every time, you've heard me say it before, every time in scripture you see the word therefore, you've got to ask, what is the therefore, therefore? Because therefore, grammatically, is a conjunction. It brings together two thoughts. Therefore means whatever I've just said is the foundation upon which I'm going to say the next thing. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, you go make disciples of all nations. You see how the therefore contains the gospel? Because the therefore is there to show us that it is not in our own power, but completely rooted in his power and authority that we go in mission. Jesus has all the authority. Therefore, our going, our baptizing, our teaching, our discipling is done based on his authority, not on our own. When we were coming to Texas, we were driving in, having arrived at the airport. I love telling this story, that we were in the rental car, had the girls in the back, and we're driving, and of course, what I'm seeing driving up the road is all these big churches with big names that I, I recognize. And I'm getting sort of squashed by the sense of the immensity of this call coming to potentially come be the rector at Christ Church. And, and I kept saying to the girls in the back seat, don't worry, girls, God is bigger than Texas. And a few minutes later, I said again, don't worry, girls. God is bigger than Texas. And a third time, as we were actually pulling up towards the Christ Church parking lot and saw the steeple, don't worry, girls, God is bigger than Texas. And a little voice from the back seat says, Daddy, we're okay, but are you doing all right with this? See, we are faced constantly by the question and the, and, and, and the overwhelming sense that this is too much for us. We need to hear the gospel, that it is not in our own authority and power that we go, but it is in his. He is the king and he has sent us. As Psalm 18 verse 39 says, for by you, I can run against an army and by my God, I can leap over a wall. Mission is possible because the ascended and throne Jesus gives us our call, gives us our command, and finally gives us our courage. Mission is so often hampered by our own fear of getting it wrong and failing. So often we're hampered by the sense that I just, I'm going to get it wrong. I'm not going to do it right. I'm going to totally fail. It reminds me of a, of a true story of some professors for uh, aeronautical professors who are teaching students how to build planes and rockets. And they were brought onto a plane to, to fly somewhere as a group of professors. And just before the flight uh, it came over the intercom that the plane 
they were building, they were about to fly in, sorry, was built by their students. And so one by one, immediately, the professors unbuckled and deplaned and said, I'm not flying on it. Except one professor who stayed comfortably sitting in his seat. And the captain of the plane came up and asked the professor, you know, all the others left, why are you still here? And he said, well, I feel quite secure because if it's my students that built this plane, it won't even start. See, oftentimes, if I'm honest, that's how I feel Jesus looks at me in my uneven performance. There's no way I could even get started in this. There's no way I could, I could possibly move this ball further down the field in the mission of God. But the king is fully aware of who he has called and commanded into this mission. And he's committed to our success. That's why in verse 20, he goes on to say, and lo, I am with you always to the very end of the age. He's not leaving us. He's not forsaking us. He's staying right there with us. When Monica and I were heading to Cambodia several years ago, just before we came to Christ Church, we were going on a, on a mission trip to go and teach some local Cambodian pastors, biblical leadership, and it was an amazing opportunity for the two of us to go together. And on the way to the airport, Monica uh, and I were driving the kids to my parents' house to stay with them for two weeks. And I just had a crisis hit in my head. I don't know what happened. For some reason, certain fears or uncertainties just entered in. And I started having a near panic attack driving down the road to my parents' house. And I'm, and I'm verbalizing it all. I'm saying to Monica, I'm saying, what, why, are we, why are we going to Cambodia? Like, why are we doing this? I mean, it's on literally the other side of the world. We're going to leave our little kids with my parents for two weeks. Like, who does that? This is crazy. Why are we going? I don't even think we should, we should, be, we should be doing this. And Monica, looking at the children and their horrified faces in the back seat, like dad has really lost his mind at this point, turns to me. I'll never forget what she said. Just that calming presence, that non-anxious presence. She said, why has God called us to go to Cambodia? Why did you say yes to this in the first place? And I said, because we're called to go and train some pastors how to be pastors. And she said, is that what God has called you to do in your life is to teach people scripture and how to live by it? And I said, yes, but, and she said, then don't you believe that God who's called you will go with you and will stay with your children as you go? And I'll tell you to this day, I'm amazed by this overwhelming peace that passes understanding that came over that minivan in that moment. My soul was calmed. Physiologically, I relaxed. And whatever had been attacking me was gone. And we dropped my kids off and we went to Cambodia. And it was a life-transforming moment for us. Romans 8, 31. What then shall we say of these things? If God is for us, 
who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for all of us, how will he not with him give us all things? That's where our courage comes from, knowing that it is the king, the enthroned king, the ascended king who is sending us. He knows our limitations. He knows who we are, whom he has sent. We are living in strange days. What does a post-COVID-19 mission look like? Church leaders are racking their brains to sort that out. Makes me think of those words from Tolkien in The Lord of the Rings, where Frodo honestly says to Gandalf, he says, I wish it need not have happened in my time, said Frodo. So do I, said Gandalf. And so do all who live to see such times. But that is not for them to decide. All we have to decide is what to do with the time that is given us. See, if it were up to us, facing down the uncertainty of what comes after this, the mission would be impossible. But it isn't up to us. Because the king has ascended his throne. Today is Ascension Sunday, and the Ascension makes mission possible. Because the ascended, enthroned Jesus gives us our call. It is the ascended and throne Jesus who gives us our command, commands on those lips with authority. And it is the ascended and throne Jesus who gives us our courage. Lo, I am with you always to the end of the age. I began with a hymn and so we close. Fear not, I am with you. Oh, be not dismayed. For I am your God and will still give you aid. I'll strengthen you, help you, and cause you to stand upheld by my righteous, omnipotent hand. Alleluia, Christ is risen. The Lord is risen indeed. Alleluia.
Please join me as we reaffirm our faith in the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Lord, have mercy upon us. Christ, have mercy upon us. Lord, have mercy upon us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. O Lord, show your mercy upon us and grant us your salvation. O Lord, guide those who govern us and lead us in the way of justice and truth. Clothe your ministers with righteousness and let your people sing with joy. O Lord, save your people and bless your inheritance. Give peace in our time, O Lord, and defend us by your mighty power. Let not the needy, O Lord, be forgotten, nor the hope of the poor be taken away. Create in us clean hearts, O God, and take not your Holy Spirit from us. A collect for times of social conflict or distress. Increase, O God, the spirit of neighborliness among us, that in peril we may uphold one another, in suffering tend to one another, and in homelessness, loneliness, or exile befriend one another. Grant us brave and enduring hearts that we may strengthen one another until the disciplines and testing of these days are ended and you again give peace in our time through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. The Collect of the Day. O God, the King of glory, you have exalted your only Son, Jesus Christ, with great triumph to your kingdom in heaven. Do not leave us comfortless, but send us your Holy Spirit to strengthen us and exalt us to that place where our Savior Christ has gone before, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, in glory everlasting. 
Amen. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all evermore. Amen. We're so glad you've joined us for worship on this Memorial Day weekend, on this Sunday of the Ascension. And we pray that you'll be encouraged as you go into the week before you that Jesus is King and that we would rejoice together. And so let us now receive this word of benediction and then give praise to God, our King. The peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and minds in the knowledge and love of God and of his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be amongst you and remain with you always. Amen. Let us sing together our final hymn of praise.
Alleluia, alleluia. Let us go forth in the name of Christ. Thanks be to God. Alleluia, alleluia. May the Lord